So I love, as a preacher, it doesn't matter what you wear. You can wear an ugly Christmas sweater saying happy birthday to Jesus, even though today is not Jesus' birthday, nor is December 25th actually his birthday. We'll find out someday and we'll be like, wow, we were all really off, weren't we, Lord? But the reality is, guys, the word of God is good. And as we're drawing to year end of 2017, we've had such a privilege together going through this study in the book of Acts. God is still on the move today, guys. Whether you know it or not, but you being here this morning is a testimony to that truth. The Holy Spirit has not stopped working through the church. And there are things going on today. People all over the world are gathering together in this common faith to worship the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And what a privilege to be a part of what God is doing right here in Kakana, Wisconsin this morning. Coming together, being equipped for the work of the ministry. That's what the church is for, guys. My job as your pastor is to feed the sheep. That's it. To feed you guys. And what a privilege. I want to just thank you for letting me do this. Getting to be able to study through and share the book of Acts with you guys. It's been a privilege. So with that, why don't we jump into chapter 28. I'm not going to say it's the last chapter of Acts. So if you guys recall from our last study, Paul finds himself still miles away from Rome. And God, I think it's neat here, because he allows Paul three months of a little R&R. How many of you guys wish you guys could have three months of R&R? Wouldn't that be wonderful? It would be. But let me tell you what, guys, this life is a vapor. It's going by so quick. We only get to do things right now in this life. There's things right now now, right here, that we're not going to be able to do for all time. And those are the things that truly matter in this life. So Paul, he's got a little bit of R&R time to heal. I want to share with you guys about the Queen Mary. Uh, It's a grand old ocean liner, first wonderful pleasure vessel ever built. Then it was used as a troop ship, carefully evading the German submarines. Next, it ended up being a museum piece, docked on a Long Beach harbor, stripped of all her vitals. The giant engine has been removed and most of the sailing equipment upon her. Uh, There she sits virtually motionless, tightly tied to the docks there. Shops line the deck, and they sell souvenirs to the visitors that come to see her. There's a dining um, and a lounge areas that provide meetings for different things, conventions. Actors are often hired there to act out uh, parts of uh, the, the different officers that were once upon her with a nice British accent. Uh, but the one thing, guys, the Queen Mary can't do now is fulfill the reason in which She was built to sail the high sea. Everything is the same. Nothing is the same. The vessel had become a monument of past glory. So Paul sure wasn't viewing Rome as his retirement. 
That isn't why you wanted to get there. Finally, I can retire if I just make it to Rome. My ministry time, it's come to an end. I can enjoy the latter years of my life. He would never allow his engine to be stripped or to be lashed to a dock of routine. Still plenty of Holy Ghost wind left in his sails. So last week, we were run aground and then shipwrecked with Paul during this hurricane of a storm. It was a gnarly storm that did them in, and they were shipwrecked there um, in the Mediterranean Sea, and they landed at the island of Malta. So we join him this morning, soaked, hungry, and shivering, probably huddled together as they watched the churning sea dismantle what was left of their ship. However, everyone was safe. And isn't that the first thing you ask when you get the phone call? I was in a car accident. Are you okay? Saw on Facebook from a picture, Liz was in a car accident. The first thing in my head was, is she a Chris? Is she okay? (laughs) That's the first thing that runs through people's heads, right? We want to know, who cares about the vehicle? (laughs) Are you okay? So, We see everybody is okay here. God had brought them through the storm. So let's talk about this island of refuge for a moment before we jump into the text. Malta, it's a very small island. Uh, It's about 50 miles south of Sicily, uh, which is just south of the, the toe of the boot of Italy. You know how it's a boot? Yeah, just south of the, the toe there. Um, I don't know, they're a dog. You guys ever see those little white dogs, Maltese's? Okay? I don't want to call it. it just, anyways, you guys know what they are. They come from the island of Malta. Pretty cool. So they're known for... <laughs> Bummer. Anyways. <laughs> so the island... I need to apologize. Maybe one of you guys have one of those little dogs. I'm sure they're wonderful. <laughs> anyways, the island is a rugged, mountainous island. Um, it's really, it is only 18 miles long, 8 miles wide. It's really small. Uh, in Paul's day, it was called Melita, which actually means refuge. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> Where did they get stranded for some R&R? <laughs> the island of refuge. I think that's so cool. Uh, verse 1 might imply uh, we recognize that it was well-named. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's what it's telling us. So let's jump into this. We're going to see uh, Paul gets bitten but not forsaken. Let's jump into verse 1 of Acts chapter 28. Now when they had escaped... They then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed an unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm done to him, 
they changed their minds and said that he must be a god. <laughs> so uh, it was going to be their island of refuge, but it wouldn't be overnight. Um, even the father of medicine, uh, uh, Hippocrates, said healing is a matter of time, but it is sometimes also a matter of opportunity. So Paul had an opportunity, right? Three months to be healed, okay? And it'd take three months. But Paul wasn't sitting around, you know, just sipping on some, what do islands have? Coconuts, you know? You guys ever drink out of a coconut? <laughs> Picture Paul there by a palm tree, you know? <laughs> just That's not what was going on. He used his uh, healing time as an opportunity to experience God's presence in new and refreshing ways. So when you guys have those opportunities, take them. In verse 2, uh, how warm that fire must have felt emotionally as well as physically. Just think of all that they went through. This Maltese healing process had begun. And then in verse 3, again, we know that Paul helped 276 people from drowning. And what are you doing picking up sticks for the fire, okay? You just saved all our lives, you know? And here you are serving. And I just say, what a servant. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? He must increase, we must decrease, become a servant of all. Isn't that what it's all about? The last shall be first. What an example we have in our brother Paul. And then, verse three, this viper fastened on his hand on his hand. Come on. Haven't I suffered enough? Really, Lord? <laughs> a snake bite, a viper nonetheless. So traveling as a prisoner on a wheat ship and our ship floating for, you know, floating for two weeks then, uh, aimlessly in the pitch black of the Mediterranean. Finally, some, you know, <laughs> something after 14 days, we've gone with no food. We finally make it to this island and they, you know, survived that terrible shipwreck, swam hard to get to the shore, out of breath, wiped, exhausted, and now a snake stuck to my hand. <laughs> really, Lord? You guys ever find yourselves in that place before God? It's like, come on, another thing. Man, that just happened yesterday. Now, this, you know, anyways, that wasn't an attitude of Paul, though, was it? Not at all. Nope. I love his attitude here. Anything that bites you in life, shake it into the fire. Shake it into the fire. I got rocked this week. A beloved brother commits suicide. It hurt. Two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, I felt, I don't know how many times, like I just got the wind knocked out of me. Ministered to over 30 people from the rock this last week. And every time, I was like, whoa, what is going on? But it's one of those things, guys, shake it into the fire. We're going to have hard things in life. That's just a part of it. They keep coming. Okay. So what becomes important to them is why he was bitten. That's what they cared about. And I know a lot of people, they had the questions, why would Bill do such a thing? He's the one who led me to the Lord. He encouraged me over and over and over again in the word of God. 
Why? Why? We don't know the whys, guys. We know depression sucks. We know it's a reality. We know no one's exempt from it. Even a faithful minister for over three decades. Guys, I think Bill probably had one of the biggest impacts in the entire Fox Valley for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have so much respect for that brother. So much. But none of us are exempt from sin. We live in a fallen world, and whether we like it or not, our spirits are connected to our bodies. Our brains are not the way they're meant to be. <laughs> and some of us suffer from the consequences of sin more than others. I want you guys to turn with me to Psalm 103. So these guys, they were asking the question, why would Paul be bitten, right? Was he a murderer who was being punished by the gods for his evil deeds? So this fear turns into an awe where they find themselves, well, maybe he's a god. No, he's just a man. He's just a man. And whether good, miracles, fruit happens, or bad things happen, <laughs> Paul's just a man. He's just a man. It's God that matters. Who is his God? You see, maybe this is an example of what Jesus meant when he said they will take up serpents and by no means will be hurt. It's at the end of Mark 16, right? Jesus promised that, and sure enough, <laughs> Paul gets bit, and he's not harmed. Yet, in all of this, Paul doesn't say a word, does he? He just goes on what? Resting in healing. Guys, we're going to get bit in life. What do we do? Shake it off. Continue to rest in the Lord. Allow him to heal from whatever. <laughs> whatever it is. So what a strange but very popular view of people um, <laughs> that people hold to, that they think um, how God works, that, hey, Paul's snake bite, divine retribution, right? He's getting what he deserved for whatever reason. And that's exactly Job's, you know, uh, Job's counselors assume the same thing if you studied through the book of Job. Job, your problem could only be a result of unconfessed sin. You know, you need to deal with that hidden sin of yours, Job. That's your problem. What a terrible theology. Terrible theology, guys. The Bible does not teach that. Snake bites don't prove wrongdoing any more than hard times always imply hidden sin. This is a Pharisee theology. When they came across the blind man in John chapter 9, remember that? They asked him, who sinned? You or your parents? And Jesus said, neither. That's, God says, that's not the problem. Stop thinking that way. Don't assume that. Let's read here in Psalm 103. I love this passage. Jump down to verse 10. It says, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. Okay, again, this is the word of God. <laughs> He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards us, to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, 
so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. Don't you guys love that? That's Bible truth, guys. Our God is abundant in mercy. So don't let anyone ever throw that trip upon you. And it's going to happen because it's happening even in the church of Jesus Christ. Bummer. Stand in God's word in his truth. Let's go back to Acts chapter 28. Let's take a look at verse 7 now. We're going to see the Maltese healing process here laid out for us. It says, In the region there was an estate, verse 7, of leading citizens of, leading citizens of the island there, whose name was Publis, and uh, received us, and he entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publis lay sick with a fever and dentistry. And Paul, he went into him and he prayed and he laid hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Necessary. Um, turn over to Second Corinthians real quick. I just want to speak to this a moment more. I did not prepare Bible study till later in the week this week. Um, partially because of a lot of ministry that needed to happen. A lot of time was spent given to that this week. But I was very torn. And we will at some point in the next couple months address suicide at length. But I wanted to give this morning because I know a lot of you uh, had been ministered to personally by Pastor Bill. He was your pastor for many years, and you were very blessed by him and his family in the ministry at Christ the Rock. And we need to give place and time to grief. That's just a reality. But suicide is a reality. It's happening in the church. There's a rise among pastors, um, just suicide rate. It's just happening today. It needs to be addressed. But as I just read this, this passage came to mind here. If you look in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 with me, um, we'll jump down to verse 7 for some context. But I want you guys, before we read this, what did Paul just do? He just prayed for many, and what happened? They were healed. He's a minister serving others. Others are being touched, are being healed, are being made whole. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians, and he tells us in verse 7 here, I let least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. 
concerning this thing. I pleaded with the Lord three times. Okay, this is Paul saying, okay, he just prayed and people are getting healed. Just prays for him, healed. <laughs> Myself, I pray three times. Nothing. I can pray for others, they can get healed. I pray for myself, nothing happens. What's going on? Well, let's see what Paul has to say to this. He says, three times that it might depart from me. And he said, Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I took pleasure in my infirmity, in my reproaches, in my need, needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let that be what it is to you this morning. Let us have a good theology <laughs> when it comes to the Word of God. There are things that we go through. There are things we have to keep going through. It may be years of going through something and you just don't know why. You see the Lord using you. You see others being blessed. Healing's taking place. But you ask yourself, why? Why me, Lord? Well, hopefully he too will speak to you that his grace is sufficient. That's what we need above all things, guys. And there may be a purpose behind it. We're revealed why Paul was allowed to go through it. And it may be the same for you, or it might be something totally different. That's between you and God. That's God's deal, his business. But you need to know the grace of God will suffice. Amen? So, back to Acts 28. Publis here, he's the governor of the island. He entertained them for three days. Pretty cool. Paul was able to heal many on the island, we're told. It's weird because who's writing the book of Acts? Dr. Luke. <laughs> we got a doctor here with Paul. You know, did he do some of the healings? Why wasn't God using him? Um, I, I looked into it a little bit. If you look at verses 8 and 9, there's actually two different words in the Greek that were used for healing here, okay? Iomai, uh, to heal in verse 8, and therapio, okay, which uh, is to treat medically, okay? So there was a healing, supernatural, something going on, the Lord just healing, and then there was actually things medically that were treated, okay? So God uses both. You guys know that's okay? When I was a younger man, very young, still a child, I remember there was an older gal in our church. She got cancer, and she believed that God was going to heal her. She really believed that. People told her it was going to happen. She just believed it. She got healed in glory. She really believed. She left a family behind, young children behind. And I'm not to judge. Like, honestly, <laughs> it's one of those things. But for the Christian to say, no, I'm not going to take treatment, that may be the way God is going to heal. And that is okay, guys. Do you understand that? It's okay. If you think medicinal things are not approved by God, you need to reread the Bible. There's times where God himself has given us practical things to use in this life upon this earth to help us. And he's given us, praise God, people who have researched 
and who are able to study. They know the sciences and they do things in tests and praise God, you know. Most of us probably wouldn't even be here this morning if it wasn't for modern medicine. What a gift. What a g- Anyways. Therapio. Ameo. So this may infer that Luke was actually involved with Paul's healings here, ministry, this ministry taking place, perhaps by using natural means to cure people and not only the supernatural. So, whatever subtleties the Lord was using them to minister to the physical needs of the people as a sign of his power and the truth of the gospel. So, somewhere in your life, you need a Malta. You need an island of refuge. You may have that island. You may know where that is. Maybe it's been a while since you've gone. We can't always do a major Malta, but how about grabbing a mini Malta this week? A day off, a few hours, a Malta meal. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Do something. We need that. Sabbath is taught in Scripture, guys. We need that time of refreshment, of refuge. Okay? This week was overwhelming, but I know where to find that refuge that I needed. Okay? I didn't get as much as I wanted, (laughs) but I got enough for what was needed. And I'm hoping this next week to have more of that. We need to make that time, guys to find refuge and it's going to be in the Lord and how that looks for you to make that happen. I don't know. Just make it happen. Make it happen. Okay. We can take a day off of work to do what? To go where? But I don't have time for the Lord. I don't have time to find refuge, refreshing. Shame on us. Okay. That needs to be a priority. Sometimes what's needed the most is just sleep. Just sleep and let our bodies rebuild itself. Okay, last time I saw my doctor a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now, um, the one thing he told me, you get as much sleep as you can, Landon. That's the biggest thing you can do. Just sleep. And I've taken that serious. Since that day, I'm popping Tylenol PM every night. and seems to be helping a little bit, you know? It's <laughs> just anything to help, you know? I'm making sure I'm good and tired at the end of the day so I can sleep a good night. And I'm telling there is a difference. There is a difference in sleep. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but all the cells in our bodies, including our brains, they all reproduce themselves every five months. Isn't that pretty cool to think about? Okay, Our body is constantly renewing itself, and sleep helps with that. And I feel bad for you guys who have a hard time sleeping. What a bummer, you know? But it's one of those things we need to find refuge. And if you have a hard time sleeping, find downtime. Learn just to rest with your eyes open. (laughs) Um, Let's move on. Verse 11. All roads lead to Rome, right? Well, let's look here. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose uh, figurehead was the twin brothers which had wintered at the island. In landing at uh, Cyprus, they stayed three days. And from there, we circled around and we reached uh, Rigum. And after one day, the south wind blew. And the next day, we came to Potolai. 
where we found brethren. Isn't that so cool? And we were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. And from there, verse 15, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appi Forum in the three inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and he took courage. Now, when he came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So verse 11 here, we have the three months, right? They weathered, uh, weather was favorable for them to be able to continue their journey. Three months of healing for uh, the life of Paul and his shipmates, but also for the lives of the multi-natives there. I'm sure the gospel was preached to them. And then these twin brothers are brought up on the front of the bow of the Alexandrian. Uh, they had Zeus's mythological uh, twin sons, right? Uh, Castor and Pollux, supposed to be protectors of navigation and the guardians of sailors. So said to have been uh, taken up into the sky so that the two stars in the constellation uh, Gemini, twins, are called by their names. And then we see this guy in verse 13 and 14, uh, put Teli, uh, says, land ho, we made it, right? The grueling sea adventure is over. Um, and their Rome is only 120 miles now, north, on land. Thank God we're done with the sea, right? <laughs> Moving on by land, look at the, the spread of Christianity, okay? A church is there in Petulai, okay? Isn't that cool? We finally hit land, and who do we meet? Brethren, right there. Praise God. Ministry was happening. A big part of what? Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. A church was probably a byproduct of the fruit, his faithfulness, his efforts, unto the Lord. It's so cool. You guys ever take a vacation, going somewhere, maybe a business trip, a new job? Isn't this the coolest thing? Oh, I got a brother or a sister here. Fun. You know, it's like instant fellowship, instant encouragement. And that's what Paul got. So verse 15, some of the believers traveled as far as what? 40 miles, guys, to greet and encourage their visitors. I read that and I want to say, how far am I willing to go to encourage a brother or sister? Am I willing to make a two-hour, three-hour, four-hour drive just to go and encourage a brother and sister? Well, you really don't have to go that far sometimes. You just walk to your computer and be right online and you can be encouraging a brother or sister who's being persecuted for their faith. But the point is, do you make a point to encourage your brothers and sisters? I hope so. I hope so. I got a card in the mail yesterday. Totally ministered to my heart in the light of the week. You know, just a lot of junk that went down. Not just the stuff with Bill. There were some other big things that came up this week. I'm like, really? It just seems to keep coming. People I love, just the effects of sin. Your heart grieves. It hurts. And just an encouragement from an older sister in the Lord. I'm just like, thank you. I needed to hear that. That is absolute truth. I received that and really just encouraged me a bunch. What did she do? She's probably been praying for me on her heart for some reason. But she took five minutes just to write out a card, put a stamp on it, and mail it to my house. Doesn't take much, guys. Let us do that for one another. 
All right, let's look at verse 16. So when we came to Rome, okay, finally, right? Finally, I think Paul shouted, Rome at last! Rome at last! Praise God Almighty! <laughs> Rome at last! You know, you're stoked about finally getting there. Um, let's actually hear his heart. Just go over one chapter. One chapter in your Bible. Romans chapter 1. Yeah, Paul, now in Rome, he wrote a letter to the Romans. Let's see what he says here. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. He's writing to the Romans, okay, those in Rome, that your faith, it's spoken of throughout the whole world. Didn't he just find people? He finally gets there, and he, who, who, did, who came to him? Brothers and sisters, he had fellowship right there, right? He's like, hey, I thank God for all you guys, okay? And that your faith, it's spoken of throughout the world, the whole world. Verse 9, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means, now at last, I may find my way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, and that you may be established. Isn't that a cool heart of a minister to have a longing? This minister didn't have a longing to retire, take a sabbatical, to get a break, to get called to a new church. Man, he had a heart for God's people wherever they were. I just want to be with you and I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. I love his heart. So Paul said, I must see Rome, right? Back in Acts chapter 19, verse 21. And then in Romans chapter 1 here, verse 11, he told them, I long to see you. Later in Romans chapter 15, verse 24, he said, I shall come to you. And Jesus told him, you must also bear witness of me at Rome. And so simply now we see what? When he came to Rome. Isn't it cool? God holds to his promises. All the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. God's spoken it. This is what you're going to do. It's going to happen. Okay? Now, let's go back to Acts chapter 28. There are limitations into victory. Let's look at verse 17. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, Though I have done nothing against our people or our customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation." For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and to speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, we neither received letters from Judah concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. 
So, verse 23, when they had appointed him a day, many came to him and his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus for both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their eyes are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see in their eyes, in their ears, or hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when they had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So Paul was a prisoner in Rome from 61 to 63, and during that time he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. The prison epistles, okay, uh, were written from 30 or from 63 to 65, um, but he was free to minister, and he wrote there um, uh, Timothy and Titus, and then he got imprisoned again in 66, and that's where he wrote Second Timothy. And he was martyred sometime early in six, or late in 66 or early part of 67. So that's what we know from church history. As Paul wrote in prison, so others devoted uh, waiting time to uh, profitable writing and has really blessed many. Okay? I'm thankful. I mean, Ephesians is one of my favorite books. Philippians, I've really clung to in the last few years. Talk about joy in the Lord, you know? That's a, that's a needed word for believers. And where did he write these things? <laughs> While in prison. I think of John Bunyan in prison in Bedford Jail. He wrote a poor, big portion of Pilgrim's Progress during that time. Probably the greatest Christian book <laughs> ever written. Uh, I think of Martin Luther. He was shut up in the castle in Wurzburg. In that time, he the entire time he was there, he was able to translate the Bible into German so the common person could read the Word of God. How cool! Okay, what would you do if you got thrown into prison? <laughs> what, what would you do with your time? Um, James Stalker said this of Paul. He wrote The Life of St. Paul. He said this, On the few square feet of space allowed him, he erected a fulcrum with which he moved the world, establishing within the walls of Nero's capital a sovereignty more extensive than his own. That's awesome, Paul. <laughs> you know? It's just like, look what the Lord's done. 
you know? And how many of us have taken time to study and be blessed by the writings of Paul? He wrote 14 books in the New Testament. And there's some of the best, right? well, it's all good in the Word of God, but it's so practical, it's doctrine for the church. It's for us. And it's so easy for us, like, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. Yeah, I do war against those things. I do struggle with that. And this is what God says about it. And this is who I am in Christ. And this is what we do as believers. It's just good stuff. So get familiar with the epistles, guys. Read those over and over again. So, verse 20. Uh, I'm a prisoner in Rome because of the hope of Israel. Isn't that cool? That's the reason he was in prison. For my devotion to the ancient dream of Israel, of the Messiah, of God's intention, of this universal brotherhood uh, of believers, that's, the co- you know, that's cost me my freedom, but it's worth it. <laughs> this is good. Uh, Christianity wasn't a a competitor, but a fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant where God said, in you, Abraham, all nations shall be blessed. All peoples, all nations, everyone of the earth shall be blessed. So we see Paul in chains. Paul's chain, what's that about? Well, whatever... Uh, your limitation, like Paul, it can be your platform for the gospel. You might look, well, if I just had what he or she had, had that ministry, if I could pastor and teach, then I would do this, or I could do... No, 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 no. God has given you whatever gift you got for a reason. You're to use that gift, your platform, for the gospel, period. It's not going to matter what you couldn't do or wanted to do. All that's going to matter is God's going to ask you one day, you know, were you faithful to what I've asked you to do? You, not your pastor, not that ministry you wanted, not the other gifts you saw and talents in your brothers and sisters that you coveted. Did you do what I asked you to do? It's all that matters. I have to stand before God one day and give account. Landon, did you do what I asked you to do? And I hope he says to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's my one desire in this life. And I got one life to do it, guys. You have one life to do it, so let's do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. We need to start wrapping up because I hear there's cookies. Actually, this is way better than cookies. I love the Word of God. I hope we're starting a new year. You guys really should plan on reading the Bible in a year. If you haven't done that, get a hold of a reading plan. Get into the Scriptures. There's nothing like the Word of God. So Paul talks about this hope of Israel here. We saw it fulfilled. Now he talks about this chain, whatever it is. You see, he couldn't go to the people, but the people came to him. I think that's pretty darn cool. God's going to use whatever, okay? Um, Real quick, um, because suicide's been on the brain. Uh, A man who came to faith in the Lord, actually at the pantry, uh, cancer, bad, dying, came to faith in Christ through the uh, pantry ministry. Guy disappears. Where in the heck is he? He lands up in jail. I see him in jail. He is losing it. He's on meds, suicidal, attempts to take his own life. Sitting in, when you, when you try to commit suicide in a jail, you get thrown into a little cold room There's no mattress, no nothing. You're given a super thick blanket. You have no clothes on. 
super because they're afraid that whatever they may have at their act, you know, could harm themselves with that. So they, they take extremes to make sure that the, the inmate would be safe. Well, Michael um, is just broken and the mental health nurse comes in to talk with him, to do some counseling. Michael is a believer in Jesus Christ, broken, wanting to take his own life, is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lady who came to counsel him, and she ends up getting saved. And as a result, over the last six years, she now refers people to Fox Valley Jail Ministry for counseling because she now understands that there's a spiritual need. Okay? So back to whatever platform you have, (laughs) even if it's something that crazy, that painful, use, guys. Use for the glory of the Lord. So Paul, he couldn't unchain himself, but he could look across his cell. He could use the Roman soldier that was there to guard him as an object lesson with the pen. Take the full armor of God. Where was he inspired? I love that passage in Ephesians 6. Okay, guys, that's our retreat next year. We're going to be going through the full armor of God. But where did Paul get that? (laughs) Where he was. He used what he had. So he couldn't change what others say about him. He simply tells the truth. Don't worry about pleasing people. They're going to let you down and they're going to come against you. That's just part of life. You can't please everybody and we're not here to please everybody. We're here to please God, period. And that's going to be hard sometimes because it might be a loved one. It may be a husband, a wife, maybe a son or a daughter. It may be someone you look up to that you respect. It may be your boss. Whatever. You speak the truth, period. That's all God asks us to do. So, Verse 23 brings up the law and the prophets. Uh, Definitely had sensitivity to his audience, which were the Jewish people there. So the end of the beginning, let's wrap this up here. What an abrupt ending to the book of Acts, right? (laughs) Did you guys just read what I just read? He's like, where's the next chapter? (laughs) Where's the next paragraph? (laughs) What just happened? You know, did Luke just die and (laughs) couldn't finish writing the book of Acts? Um, but it's really not an ending. It's written as though there was a sequel. There is. It's your life, brothers and sisters. That's the sequel to the book of Acts. Your life is Acts 29. In London, we'll go back to 1942, Hitler's Lutwaffe, had invaded the English skies and all of Britain was uh, feeling the dread of these enlarging shadows, air raid sirens going off, frayed nerves, bomb shelters, bombs come whistling by. How long, they thought. How long do we have? Winston Churchill wished that he could answer that question. What could he say to steal the people's melting... um, courage. Well, on November 10th, he addressed a worried audience of these immortal wor- with these immortal words. I love this. Catch what he said. Now this is not the end. It is not the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. 
great description for the end of Acts. It is the end of the beginning. Look at what the church has done in the last 2,000 years. And it's God, the Holy Spirit, through the church, empowering believers throughout history. Look. Praise God. Someone shared the gospel. I love you guys. I'm glad you're saved. I'm glad we get to spend eternity together. But aren't you glad that somebody shared with you? Aren't you glad? I sure am. We're all the way on the other side of the world from where we're talking about this morning. And here we are, the gospel's going forth. Wow. It continues on. Sometimes there is victory. Often there is defeat. But always there is hope. The hope to which we cling, for which we fight, and with which we someday win. Let's pray. Father, we thank you from, just from all the things we've gleaned and we've learned and we've heard through this study in the book of Acts. Let us press on as your church. Let us bear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ unashamed, unafraid, and unhindered. Amen? Amen. Amen.